Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody? All right. So I want to thank Tom for sneaking a peek at my notes this morning, because exactly what he talked about at the beginning is exactly what we're going to be talking about here from the Word of God this morning. So I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but hey. I need a list of comebacks for Tom. He's, he's quick. You've got to watch him. So I'm, I'm not the smartest guy. Don't amen that. Um, but when you hear something twice in the same morning from someone's heart regarding the word of God, we might want to pay attention. Amen? All right. Before we get started, um, you guys should have a piece of paper in your chair. Just a couple of things going on here that's, that's new at Freedom. Um, so if you like pictures and stuff like that, I encourage you to check out us on Instagram. We are brand new to that, but we are uh, starting to kind of build a, an audience here in Northwest Arkansas. So I would encourage you, if you are part of uh, the Instagram world, go ahead and follow us on there. Also, we are now uh, on Facebook Live and YouTube Live on Sunday mornings. Hello, everybody who is watching. But also, I would encourage you to make an appointment, 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. We're going to have our midweek service live on Facebook and YouTube as well. And those are going to be interactive. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. And also, um, if your contact information is correct here with the church, just disregard that last part. But if you are not getting our weekly emails, uh, be sure to send us an email. It's info at freedomnwa.com. Or you can visit with one of us afterwards, and we'll make sure that your information is up to date. That way you know what's going on here and, and that sort of thing. So now that we got the business out of the way, uh, if you guys would, please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Joshua 24. And I want to say welcome to our visitors, whether this is your first time here at Freedom, or if you're watching online for the very first time, I want to say welcome Thank you for tuning in. And what we're doing last Sunday, we kicked off this new, it's a four-part series on Joshua 24. And so what Tom did last week was he gave us kind of an overview of what is going on in Joshua 24. How did we get there in, in the account in Joshua? But most importantly, what can we as New Covenant Christians, what can we learn from what it is that, that Joshua's uh, account, what that tells us in our lives. So in Joshua 24, I would encourage you, because we're going to be on this for another couple of weeks, to go reread, I would say probably Joshua 21 through 24. And if you, if you have never read Joshua or haven't read it in a long time, that is a very bloody book. There is a lot of death, there's a lot of uh, conquering and, and things like that, but most importantly, what a lot, of, uh, a lot of great things that are done by the children of Israel through the leadership of Joshua to fulfill what the Lord had planned for the children of Israel. So in Joshua 24, the first 13 verses are uh, basically the cliff notes of the history of Israel. If you guys remember, everybody know what cliff notes are? For our younger kids, pay close attention to this. Cliff notes, you don't have to read 
Charles Dickens' Great Expectations, you can buy the Cliff Notes, and it's about an eighth of uh, the text. Of course, I'm being facetious about that. Um, so the Cliff Notes version of the history of the children of Israel. So kind of the, the scripture that this series is based on is found in Joshua 24, 15. You have seen it in probably a lot of homes, uh, Christian bookstores and, and things like that. A lot of people have these up in their homes. My brother is one of those people. Actually, I think both brothers have it. But it says, um, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's kind of in a nutshell uh, what verse 15 is talking about. So this series that we're doing is for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. But I always ask the question, why? Why should we serve the Lord? Now, you may be thinking, oh my gosh, the, the guy preaching just said that? Absolutely, because it is a legitimate question. I like to know why we're doing something. So, when we ask ourselves that, we, we really have to kind of look inward. Why am I doing this? Why did I drive that particular route to church this morning? Why? Because it was probably the fastest. Makes sense. Um, so when we ask ourselves why, we really start to kind of dig down deep and understand the motive behind what it is that we do. So I want to look at you, look at you, I see you all right there. Look at verse 14, and I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. Now this is actually Joshua the prophet who is saying this. Real quick. If you look at, let me read verse 1 out of chapter 24. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now, it's important to understand that this is the Lord speaking through Joshua. So, let's... Now that we understand all of that context, let's go ahead and look at it. Again, this is the Lord speaking. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods of your, which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers uh, that your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So what he is doing, he is telling them, this is actually the Lord speaking through Joshua to the powers that be in the nation of Israel. You have a choice to make. You can either serve the gods that your forefathers did. You can do that. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So he is giving them a choice. So I want to go back to verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away God, which your fathers served on the other side of the river, 
and in Egypt. So this morning, what we're going to be looking at are three steps, three things from verse 14 that is true in Joshua's day, and it's also true today in 2020. So let's take a look at those. I'm going to spoil it for you. It is very, very simple. Read verse 14 again. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. That's number one. Fear the Lord. Number two, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And number three, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. So we're going to be looking at those three points this morning. Number one, fear the Lord. We think of fear as some kind of a threat of punishment or a threat. That's what our Western brains think of. Now, when we look at it in the biblical sense, it's not that fear of of punishment or that threat that is going to come down. Because you may be thinking, well, if I do something bad, God's going to get me, right? I hate to tell you this. If God was going to get you, he would have already got you, right? Don't we all deserve that punishment? Absolutely. So we think to fear something is that, oh, if I step out of line, God's going to whoop me over the head, right? Does our God work that way? No? Okay, okay, just, just making sure we're on the same page. All right. So when we think to fear the Lord, it's not, oh, oops, sorry, Lord, I don't want to mess with you because you're going to get me. That's not what this is talking about. To fear the Lord is to have an honor and a reverence for him. But let's take that a little bit further. In this context, in the Hebrew, it means to be in awe and wonder and amazement of what God has done consistently. Now, we talked about the first 13 verses where Joshua is recapping the history for the children of Israel. He's saying, remember when God did this? Remember when God did this? Remember when he did this and then this and then this? He's kind of, it's a leading question is, is what we would consider that. But what Joshua is doing is he is reminding them, here's what the Lord has done. So to have a fear of that means to be in awe of, oh my gosh, he split the Red Sea to where we could get through it safely. He did that. He sent those plagues in Egypt. He did that. Wow, what an awesome God. So when it's talking about fearing the Lord, we don't want to think of that as punishment or a threat or anything like that. That means to continually be in awe of what the Lord has done. So let me show you real quick, if you would hold your place, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 10 to see what it means to truly fear the Lord. And I love when Scripture interprets Scripture. It's not my opinion. We're looking at the Word of God. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. By the way, your Bibles are going to get a workout this morning. I love when there's a lot of scripture. We're going to jump from place to place. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 10, starting in verse number 12. 
It says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I commanded you today for your good. So here we have the Lord speaking through, through Moses when it's talking about fearing the Lord, having an honor and reverence and respect for him, for what he's done, but also to be in awe, to be truly amazed by him. So back in Joshua 24, we've already looked at what it means to fear the Lord. The second part of this, to serve him in sincerity and in truth. So if we ask the question, what does it mean to serve him in sincerity and in truth? Does that mean that we can serve him insincerely? And every head is shaking, yes, it does mean that. Now, you may be thinking, what? No, that, that can't be. Well, that exact thing is what the Apostle Paul was accused of. They said, nope, you're not doing this work for the Lord for the right reasons. It was so bad, in fact, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that he had to defend himself against it in the written letter. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. They were questioning his motives. They said, nope, you're doing it for financial gain. You're doing it to have control over other people. You're doing it because you're a manipulator, that sort of thing they were accusing him of. But watch what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 1, 12. He says, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world and in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. So what Paul was doing is the kids today, they call them haters. You know, haters are going to hate, that sort of thing. Paul had a list of haters. People who were pointing at him, saying, uh-uh, that guy's rotten, He's doing it. He's no good, always up to no good, that sort of thing. But who else had haters? Jesus. He had people walking behind him saying, "Uh uh-uh, that guy's got bad motives. They even accused him of serving Satan. Jesus. They accused him of doing that through the power of Satan. So Paul defends himself here by saying, no, no, I'm doing it out of sincerity of God. So back in Joshua, when it says to serve the Lord with sincerity or insincerity and truth, when we do things out of compulsion, meaning someone says, hey, go mop that floor over there and you don't want to, are you going to be sincerely mopping that to the best of your ability? Nope. You're going to splash it real quick so that you can leave. You're doing something that is not sincere. So when we serve the Lord, 
we do it out of joy. Now, I know this is a preacher preaching to the choir here because freedom has such a culture of serving one another. Like what Tom mentioned this morning, I, I think in the, in the opening prayer, is to do things that we are serving the Lord out of joy, not because we have to. So when we serve the Lord sincerely, that is something that the Lord is commanding here. Fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. But I want you to ask yourself, why do I serve the Lord the way that I do? And it may not be here in this local church body. You may have an outside ministry that you do, a workplace ministry. It may be something like that. I'm looking big picture at the kingdom of God. Ask yourself this, why do I serve the Lord? Why do I do that? Hopefully your answer is because we love him. Because he loved me even while I was that rotten sinner, lost. Despite that, he still loved me enough to die for me. That's why we do it. We have been shown love by God that we, our, our finite brains can only fathom just a minuscule fraction of how much he truly, truly loves us despite what we do, despite what we deserve. Amen? That's why we serve him. That he extended his grace and his love towards us in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, lastly, the last point I want to make is the third point here in Joshua 24. Let me recap. Joshua 24, 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord. That's number one. Number two, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And number three, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. So when we think of other gods, we think of Baal, Ashtaroth, things like that from the Old Testament. We think of carved images. We think of shrines. We think of things like that, right? You guys with me? See a lot of eyes over their masks just starting to kind of close a little bit, but that's all right. If you get nothing else this morning, get this right here. So we think of carved images and shrines, and those are other gods. But I encourage you this week, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Read Ezekiel chapter 14. So if you're taking notes, Ezekiel 14. The reason why this is so important to what it is that we're talking about here is because Ezekiel 14 talks about the idols of our hearts. So what does that mean? Basically, it says this. An idol, according to Ezekiel, is something a person puts before himself or herself in any way that causes them to stumble in iniquity. That's not my definition. That is Ezekiel's, actually it's the Lord through Ezekiel, their definition of what an idol 
is. So we think of Catholics when they, you know, see an image of the Virgin Mary like in a window or tortilla and, you know, things like that. Have you all seen that? Usually it makes the news that there's an image. A lot of Catholics, in this South Texas, a lot of Catholics down there, so this makes the news a lot. But if there's an image that looks like the Virgin Mary, like I remember one that showed up in a mirror of a window cleaner was out there, you know, putting the soap on, and it looks like the Virgin Mary. It looked like it to me. I'm like, wow, is that the Virgin Mary? Now, do I worship her? No. But you have a lot of people going outside of that home. They left it as is. They went and they lit candles. They brought, you know, whatever it is that they bring. People were gathering out there with their rosary beads, you know, that sort of thing. So we think of worshiping an idol as something like that. But what's interesting is Ezekiel's definition, an idol of our heart, something that a person puts before himself that causes him to stumble in iniquity. So I ask you this question, what are some of those idols that we have in our lives that prevent us from truly serving the Lord, saying, Lord, I am 100% yours. Now, let me preface this before I run down a list of these. Are these things bad? Of course not. They are not bad. But when it overshadows you serving the Lord. Now, serving the Lord is a very, very broad term. But when it comes to placing a priority. If something goes above serving the Lord, we need to do a self-check because we got a problem. Amen? So, I'm going to ask this question. What are idols that we have in our lives? Let me just kind of break the tension in here. Anybody have one of these? Yep. If you don't say amen, you ought to say ouch. So, phones can be an idol. Meaning, when we spend more time on our phones than we do in the Word of God, ouch. Yep. How about, and this, this may get some groans and grunts and all of that kind of stuff, but our families and everything that comes with it, including Sports, school, I mean, ballet class, I mean, everything. When we are so busy throughout the week that we cannot, as a family, spend time together in the Word and in communion with God, that's a problem. And you can hear a pen drop in here right now. For those of you watching at home, we can do things like elevate our spouses our work, our kids, our hobbies, those of us that like to fish, that like to hunt, when that becomes the priority over God. Now, let me be clear about this because I don't want you to walk away and say, well, that guy up there on church, on the, on the stage on Sunday said, nope, I can't go fishing this weekend because I have to sit at home and read my Bible. Now, let me clarify that. Can you read your Bible 
in a deer blind. Has anybody ever done that? I have. Yep. Can you do it from a fishing boat? Can you fellowship with someone from a fishing boat? Absolutely. You certainly can. When you are driving to take your kids on weekend sports trips and things like that, can you have that time of family fellowship? Yes, you can. So don't misinterpret what it is that I'm saying. But when something becomes the priority, over serving the Lord. And for each and every one of us, serving the Lord is going to look a little bit different. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. So how about money? I'm not giving you some. I'm just asking the question. Can money be an idol? Has anyone besides me ever said, boy, once we get this vehicle paid off, boy, then we're going to start tithing. Anybody ever said that? Just me. Okay. So thank you for being my, my sounding board here. My wife is seething back there. Anyways, but when you prioritize and say, let me earn this money. If I could just get that promotion, if I could just do this, then I'm going to start to give to those around me. That job becomes the priority. What about things like Netflix? Am I the only one that likes Netflix? Okay, all right. A couple of you. What about politics? We've got an election coming up in November. Okay, I'm going to kind of turn away from, just talk to this side of the room here. When you watch nothing but politics, now, is there anything wrong with staying up to date? Absolutely not. But, and this is a question each and every one of us is going to have to ask ourselves. We have to do that self-inventory. I can't look at Jimmy and say, look, here's where you're wrong. You know, he needs to look at himself and vice versa. He would need to look at me and say, you need to check yourself. Because we can watch Fox News nonstop. Fox News is not bad, but Man, that'll rot your brain if you watch it over and over and over. You're scared at that point. There's not a lot of hope that comes with that, and I'd love if Fox News is watching right now. Love you guys, but anything that we put over serving the Lord. Just a couple more here. What about COVID-19? Somebody got that. COVID-19. Have we made an idol of that? Not a physical structure, but something in our hearts. Let me read again out of Ezekiel 14. Something a person puts before himself in a way that causes him to stumble in iniquity. That is an idol of the heart. So I can't do this because of COVID-19. And I'll take that a step further. Can we make the government an idol? We certainly can. So this is not meant to beat up on anyone. If you're offended, don't look at me. Look at the Holy Spirit because we need that conviction where he convicts us. Amen? So, again, let me draw your attention back to... Joshua 24, verse 14. And I want to read verses 14 and 15 one more time. And again, now that we understand the context, we understand that there are 
idols in our lives that we don't intend for them to be. We don't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I want to go serve Netflix, or I want to, you know, go serve this or that. It's something that happens so gradually. And C.S. Lewis, if you have ever read the Screwtape Letters, there is a quote that I absolutely love in there. And of course, this is talking about salvation. It's a salvation issue. It's, if you are not familiar with the book, it is two demons writing correspondence to one another. You have the uncle, then you have the nephew. Wormwood is one of them, and then Screwtape is the other. And these are letters back and forth, two demons discussing how they're going after a Christian. Very, very interesting book. But there's one thing, and again, this is regarding salvation, but he said he's talking, again, two demons talking about that Christian that they're going after. They said, the road to hell, we have made it so gradual that he doesn't even know he's off the path. So, let's take that same concept. We may have put things, idols of the heart, they may have popped up in our lives that we aren't even aware of. So I would encourage you, in addition to reading Ezekiel 14 this week, I encourage you, in your prayer time, seek the Lord in this matter. Is there something that I have put in my life that is taking me away, that is preventing me from serving you? If there is, Lord, help me get rid of it. So, Joshua 24, verse 14, says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river and of the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell. You can do that, but watch this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that went forth here this morning. Lord, I thank you that we are able to walk away with tangible things that as godly people, especially godly men who are the spiritual heads of their household. Father, there may be times where we did not truly fear you. There may have been times that we truly have not served you in all truth and in sincerity. And Father, there may be a time where we have turned and served other gods, that we have made idols, in our hearts of certain things. Lord, it was certainly not our intention to do so. But Father, we thank you for your word that is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And Father, if we are feeling conviction right now, Lord, we say thank you for that. Because you are changing us. You are shaping us to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for this recognition if we are out of 
alignment with any of these things that we heard today. And so, Lord, first off, we repent of that. It was certainly not our intention to do so. And so, Lord, we repent of that. We turn away from whatever it is that is keeping us from you. And, Father, we turn back to you and recognize our need for you, our reliance on you at all times. And so, Lord, we just say thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf. That your love, your grace, and your mercy has been shown to us. Father, that we can respond to that. That we understand that you love us so much that you sent him to die for us. And Father, it is a joy to wake up and to serve you each and every day. And Father, we strive to do that in all sincerity and in truth. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask this. Amen.